Oh, I suppose I should do an intro. I don't know how to do these without everybody else. <laughs> Welcome to Married to Who. My name's Jake. This week we're here to do something very different. We've got some of our friends from the internet to talk about Series 13 Flux as a whole. So, with me on this podcast, from neither the time nor the space, we have David. Hello. And from the Companion Piece podcast, the once and future Companion Piece podcast, we have Ollie. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's probably a good description, to be honest. <laughs> and soon, I think we'll have Lily as well, but she, yeah. she'll be joining us in a little bit. So the reason I want to have you all on, uh, there's a couple reasons. One, your podcasts don't really, like, the structure of them doesn't allow you to really talk about Flux. Mm-hmm. Or any new stories coming out. And two, I thought it'd be nice to talk with people that like actually have something to stay instead of the uh, five <laughs> morons I normally do this with. <laughs> well, it's very kind of you. I, I, I am definitely appreciating the opportunity because um, I have struggled not to spoil elements of Flux <laughs> um, for, for Matt, my co-host, on, on our podcast. Because um, for, for any listeners who aren't familiar with uh, neither the time nor the space, I'm, you know, the card-carrying Hoovy of the two, and uh, my co-host Matt had never seen Doctor Who prior to doing the podcast. And uh, we're currently in... Uh, we've just wrapped Series 11, time of recording this um mm -hmm. and he still does not like doctor who particularly <laughs> um but at least he's dedicated but he's not only done 11 series of doctor who mm -hmm. along with a bunch of classic oh, yeah. he's also on a youtube show where they talk for three hours a week about doctor who and he has no idea what they're talking about. Yes, he he basically <laughs> he's not a he's not a Doctor Who fan, but he is a Doctor Who podcast fan. He he's yes. he's enjoying being part of this community, even if no <laughs> he one likes will Doctor Who fans. Yeah, even if no one will ever convince him that Doctor Who is actually a good TV show. <laughs> well, he's right. He's uh right in line with most Doctor Who fans. I don't, I don't think any Doctor Who fans actually like Doctor Who. <laughs> the internet is anything oh, to be believed. I'll tell you what, it's felt like that over the past six weeks, hasn't it? The <laughs> yeah. amount of nitpicking and bellyaching, goodness me. I'm not even starting. I'm one of those few, you know, unusual Doctor Who fans who actually enjoys the show unironically. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think you're in good company this evening, at least. Good. Yeah. Well, since we're there... Um, just really general, what did you think of Flux? I mean, I enjoyed it. I, mean, I thought it was good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, to to Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's, it's not... Okay, that's a question. Now, I hope I get this right. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I have... I do admit that I haven't listened to as much of your podcast as I should have done. <laughs> ah, it's fine. We, there's too much of it For at this shame. point. I, I'm catching up, but it's taken... Because I wasn't, you know... Jake, you introduced me to the existence of the podcast, so... Have, 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 you, have you hit the point where we got into lockdown and suddenly our episodes became twice the normal length? <laughs> I have noticed that, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to ask was, did you think it was good? Now, if I get this right, is it good? Bad? <laughs> good with bad bits, bad with good bits, I think. Uh, yes, that's the general thing, but uh, Matt is forever right. introducing new gradations <laughs> and uh, offshoots. 
Um, but yeah, f- for me, it, it is absolutely good with bad bits, which is Fair about enough. the best you can hope for for an entire series of Doctor Who. You know, right? Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. There is absolutely no no episode, um, no series that is just start to finish bangers, no flaws. And as I think about it more, the bad bits, they're not that bad. Like, there's, they're not the ones where it's like, oh, geez, he said, I don't want to go. Like, the, the ones <laughs> that I keep going back to and make fun of. Like, there's not that much to make fun of in this one. Yeah. Apart from, you know, I, in the moment. I, I would say a lot of the flaws are either, you know, well-established uh, ticks within Chibnall's writing you know, mm-hmm. his tendency to sometimes go for tell-not-show, which can be a little grating and clunky yeah. on occasion. Um, and all, all things that I would say are pretty explainable by the circumstances under which they were filming the show, which is that there are it's very reliant on two or three people standing around talking to each other. Um, yeah. A metre and a half apart. Yes. And, 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 and whilst... At certain points, I think the CGI has been the best it's ever been on the show. Uh, there are also times where it, where it has looked a little bit rushed as well. It's been a real mixed bag, I think, in terms of the CGI. Um, but, I mean, let's be honest. Who's who's watching Doctor Who for the special effects? <laughs> One person, his name is Cody, and he's on our podcast. It's all he cares about. <laughs> he hate, We've been doing Classic Who, and we're just about to wrap up the first season. We've recorded the Aztecs. That's waiting. And his only nitpick, really, is that it's in black and white. <laughs> that's all he hates about it. Baffling. I mean, that's, right. that's good. If that's the only issue he's got, he's enjoying it more than I was imagining. <laughs> they were really down on Classic until we got to the Aztecs. Then everyone's like, oh, okay, I can see how this can be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair, to be honest. That's, that is... Oh, I'd say one of the better ones, but that's that implies that they're all bad. They're not, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that, certainly. It's it's it's. I would say it's a. It's the point where the Hartnell series really starts to find its footing, isn't it? Yeah, I would say yeah that that group that first hardest team. I'd say that's when they start gelling really well. Yeah, but for me, I think Hartnell in particular finds his footing after they leave. I think once. Vicky comes on, and then he his character changes. Yeah, I can see that. For sure. Yeah. Anyway, that was a tangent, huh? Yeah. I, I, I could have I could have started waxing lyrical about the space museum there, but but I'm I'm biting my tongue. We've 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 got a brand new series that I think is equally worthy of uh of effusive praise. Um oh, uh, Lily's here now. Oh, oh fantastic. Add her to the call. All right. Well, now joining us from the Companion Peace podcast is Lily. Hello, guys. <laughs> we were just going around really just saying if we like Flux or not. So what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, over, overall, honestly, it probably wasn't really my thing, although there were bits of it I did like. Village of the Angels example wasn't. Yeah. Amazing. Loved that. Um, and Jericho, obviously. But overall, I found it a bit too much. It was like brain implosion. I was like, ah! 
Have you, how have you found Chibnall's era as a whole? Would you, have you been liking it? And this, just this kind of the way the season had to fold or had to happen, you didn't like, or is um, you just not been a fan of his in general? So no, I mean it's a bit mixed, really. Rather like Flux was. There were there were episodes that were great and episodes that I wasn't keen on. If I had, oddly enough, though, if I had to say which series I preferred would probably be 11 purely because of how fresh it was even if i didn't necessarily like everything in it if that mm-hmm. makes sense but yeah it's been a bit of a mixed bag for me really i'd say i mean that 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 was your thoughts from the first episode on i remember us discussing mm. it and it was just a bit it mm. was good but confusing mm Personally, I, I I love the confusingness. I, oh, I me found, too, definitely. I, I found it exhilarating. <laughs> I feel I felt like after some rather more cautious stuff, and like series twelve is a weird one to talk about because it's simultaneously very ballsy and still quite cautious um, mm-hmm. in some of its creative choices. But it feels like Chibnall's finally just letting loose and going out swinging with this one. Um, and, yeah, and, 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 I, and I love that. Um, yeah, for me, it's basically looking at the Chibnall era as a whole. It's been um, a noticeable step up with every series for me in terms of how much I've enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I think I've, I've on the actual notes that I spend more of my work time than I should have been writing. Uh, I've put down that I genuinely think it is possibly the best, both from Chibnall and from Jody, that we've seen. I, I, I. I wouldn't even caveat it. I would say definitely for me, it is. <laughs> that's that is. I was fair. thinking about this the other or last night. I, I think in the moment, I thir- series thirteen was my favorite of Chibnall's um, three series so far. But if, if a couple of years from now, if I'm going to be doing a rewatch, I think I'd be more interested in watching series twelve. Because I think a lot of what makes Series 13 exciting is, or for me, is all that confusion at the beginning and the unraveling of the story and finding where the pieces fit. Whereas once you know that, and then you're just watching the acting and the directing and picking up things you might have missed, I think Series 12 was is, is where I'll go back more often. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I could certainly, I don't know, it's so, I feel it takes such an apples and oranges thing, isn't it? Because this series is just so unlike anything we've had in Yoohoo up until this point. It really, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I feel like it's really, it almost does a disservice to try and compare it to um previous series even of the chibnall era because what it's trying to do is just fundamentally different it's it's like series 11 felt like not disconnected but like classic who was they were all individual standalone stories yeah and this feels very much like a, a singular like properly zooming in on one story as it would be done in the classic era just obviously with more budget and effects and all out just sort of we're doing this we might as well but yeah in some ways it's i guess so it's kind different. of 
it's kind of what I what I expected Chibnall Who to be initially. Um, I mean, I'll 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 hold my hand up. So I've not actually watched Broadchurch yet. It's one of the billion things on my to do list still. Um, but knowing that that was one serialized story and that was the thing that he'd really made his name with as a showrunner, um, it made sense to me that the BBC were maybe hoping for something along those lines from him for um his take on doctor who and i was quite excited at that prospect and then when we get series 11 it's like the most standalone <laughs> that yeah that's exactly that's what i was yeah, exactly how i felt yeah yeah and then for me series 11 because it was so standalone like, it wasn't just that they're standalone stories standalone stories are fine but it felt like it was purposely trying to be apart from what had come before it and, you know, I, I tend to say, and I don't know how much I actually believe this, but I, I tend to say, even though the RTD and the Moffat eras are so different, you can watch series one through 10 as like one story. Hmm. Like they are, they do have the same kind of heart or at least, uh, they just feel of a piece, even though they're very different. And then series 11 does not feel a part of that piece. And that's why I think my favorite episode of series 11 is the new year's special uh, resolution, because at least that feels like, like it has the Daleks in it. So at least it feels like it's part of the doctor who universe where for X number of weeks leading up to it, it didn't feel that way for me. I can yeah, see that. I, I, yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from there. I, I think it's interesting because subsequent to that, um, Chibnall has just slowly been ramping up the amount of RTD, uh, callbacks and, yes. and and things, and so it, it now looking at, at the era as a whole, I think it feels very much of a piece. I mean, obviously, still it's got its own style, but I'd say probably no more so than uh, than the Moffat era. I guess the one thing, the one obvious continuing thread you've got between RGD and Moffat is uh, Murray Gold's score, yeah. which definitely yeah. does a lot to uh, give a certain sense of continuity there. I, I suppose, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I I I really I, it, it's it's kind of baffled me to be honest. When I've been on Twitter and ev- after every episode of of Flux, I just I just get this barrage of of what seem to me like really petty nitpicks coming from the fandom at large. I'm just like, how did you not just have a massive grin on your face through the entirety of <laughs> of this? Um, I, I can't remember the last time I... Oh, you know what? I probably can. I think it was Series 9. I think it was the last time I was just this consistently delighted by a series of yeah. Doctor Who. Look, at worst, the bad bits are that could do with a little bit of improvement. Maybe mm. if they'd had more time, that would have been more, you know, succinct. It's not... Yeah. This is awful as some people are saying yeah yeah and, and it's just it, there's this pervasive sense of fun about it yes it's very dramatic and high stakes and end of the universe and, and yada 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 but it, it's it, it's fun there's a big laser axe wielding space dog <laughs> like, <laughs> where was this chibnall two years ago um oh, I, I don't know if he, if he <laughs> if he had characters like Carver Easter in him from the get go, why are we only getting them now? Um, it's definitely an improvement on whatever that was. It 
hyphen something or the other in series was it series 12 the cat dog person whatever oh is that the one in orphan 55 oh, right. yeah it's an Open improvement on that, yes. I think. I don't remember that. Yeah. Okay. But that Probably kind of sounds well the point, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you think... You were saying, David, that this kind of method of storytelling hasn't been done in New Who before. I think it was almost done last season. Um, I think if you took Spyfall Part 1 and 2, Fugitive of the Jadoon, and then the three last episodes... Uh, Villa of Diodati, Ascension, and Timeless Child. And if they were forced to make those the only six episodes of this season, mm-hmm. I think it would be very similar to this. And so I'm wondering what you guys think, or it, just hypothetically, how this season would have been, if you would have liked it as much or even more, if there had been four more episodes put in that maybe didn't have anything to do with the the story arc. It's a good question. It's trying, It's hard to imagine what it would be like, like because we're so invested in what's just happened. <laughs> I mean, I, for, sorry, I feel like I'm doing all the talking. I'm trying to let other people have a chance. But, <laughs> um, it, 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 uh, from my perspective, I, I get what you're saying, Jake. There, with um, there is definitely more of a through line through those sort of like tentpole episodes of series 12. But what I think you don't get with that, that you've got in flux is this almost uh, collage like quality to it where right. yes, you've got some slightly more standalone episodes with um, war of the sun tyrants and village of the angels. But even then you've got other elements just intruding into the story yep. and and then you've got the completely out there ones like you know halloween apocalypse is just you know jumping about all over the shop uh once upon time is insane you know the most <laughs> bonkers thing i i i it never in a million years would i've expected an episode like that from chris chibnall um so happy to have it um but yeah i can't the way it jumps around between things and is is not quite non-linear, but like it's happening in so many different time streams at once. That, um, yeah, I don't. It, it's kind of, I'd say it's pretty pretty unique. Um, yeah, I would be very interested in finding out the original plan. Oh, if me Chibno, too. If Chibnall one day wants to sit down in an interview or write about it just like this is how it would have been just what what differences were forced to be made or you know which ones he had always wanted to do but couldn't in a 10 episode format yeah i think it'd be extremely i think it would have lost oh, some of the sorry i think it would have lost some of the like propulsiveness or the propulsion from it if just if you just oh a couple of episodes in we're just going to chuck in a standalone one which doesn't have anything to do it would just be like a it would it would be a breather right. episode which sometimes you do need but it would, I think, take you out of it a little bit of here's the intense storyline of what's happening and then focus on something completely different and back again. Right. Yes. Like, mm. I mean, the, looking at series 12, you've got the obvious example of Fugitive of the Jadoon and then into Praxius mm-hmm. the next week. Which... Yeah. Which, Praxius yeah. is fine, but when you just watch Fugitive, you're just like, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah. This, you can't give and then take. 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that's that, for, that. It really takes the wind out of your sails a bit, doesn't it? Um, I wonder if we would have had like an episode that was Bell and Vinder's story, and then they would come back at the end, or like an episode where we meet Claire. She goes back in time. We go save her because we know the Angel story was originally. Yeah. That's the only one co-written by somebody else. So it stands to reason that maybe that one was like um, the Villa Diodati written by the same woman. I'm totally blanking on her name right now. Maxine Alderton. Yeah. Where, so where it would have been like the beginning of the three-part finale where it was like a standalone haunted house story. And then at the end, hey, it's the lone Cyberman. Boom, into the two-part finale. I, I really think her episode of The Angels would have been similar where it's like, here's a spooky angel story. Hey, the angels are actually connected to a division. Go into the finale. D- definitely, yeah, that, that I, makes I, sense. I think. Yeah, I, I think probably War of the Sontarans initially might have been more of a standalone affair. I, I mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if that was an idea they had early in the production pre-pandemic. Um, yeah, I, I, I would be, I, I would love one day for there to be a book or something kind of just detailing in excruciating. Um, detail, you know, all, all of the creative choices uh, that had to be made um, under the circumstances. I'm I'm always up for like behind the scenes stuff when it comes to Doctor Who, but, right? But this series in particular, I think, has got a particularly sort of fascinating story to be told there. Yeah, Lily, what about you? Do you think um, if this were spread out over ten episodes and wasn't maybe so chaotic in the beginning, you would have liked it a little more? Probably, even if it just had, like, a couple more episodes, I think it would have yeah. been, yeah, a little bit less crazy. I mean, I don't mind, I don't mind, to be fair, I don't mind crazy. It's more the fact that there was so much going on, I was just a bit like, ah. <laughs> like, my mind was like, as soon as I got my head around something, there was something else there, and I was like, what? Hmm. Do you think you might appreciate it more on a rewatch, kind of knowing where it's headed now? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, I will have to do that at some point. Yeah, that's something I'm looking forward to doing. I don't know whether I'll, I'll end up rewatching it before I have to cover it on the podcast because <laughs> M- Matt and I are going to get around to it, I think, in about six months' time. So. Um, and I- what are you guys going to do then? <laughs> I think we mentioned yeah, it. Two years till the sixtieth. Yeah, that's when we just all take a leaf out of your book and start making everyone do classic or spin-offs or and anything else under the sun that we could possibly do. These guys can't wait to stop doing. They just want to take a break and do Torchwood, and I'm like, we could do Torchwood, but we're doing four episodes at a time. <laughs> I'm not spending three months talking about season one of Torchwood. <laughs> that's our plan at the moment. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to it, but um... <laughs> is it bad that part of me wants to just sit him down and make him watch like all of the Sarah Jane adventures or something like that? <laughs> it's <just> so different. <laughs> We've done one episode, um, and I don't. Oh, know that's how... right. Well, tell Matt that episode two has a sex monster, <laughs> and maybe he'll be interested. Ah, yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I think I've. I think I've maybe seen up to the episode four or five of series one of Torchwood, and then I was just like, "Oh, no. that's right, you haven't watched it at all." No, it's just see, I, 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 I wrote it off really early, and I know everyone bangs on about um, series three, but 
I just yeah I was so put off by those early episodes that I've never felt any compulsion to go back. Well, I will tell you, series three deserves everything you've heard about it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I've, you know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately, not just lately, but forever. And uh, I think I've come to the realization that it's more fun to listen to a podcast when they enjoy what they're talking about. Uh, so I don't know if I want to just shit on Torchwood <laughs> for an episode, like for 12 <laughs> straight weeks of just making fun. Sure. It's, it's fun. It's fun to do when we're recording it. But I don't know how much fun it is to listen to. Yeah, fair point. I guess my, my my natural inclination is always to try try and find the positive in something. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see when we get to Torchwood whether I can manage it <laughs> or not. Well, speaking of Torchwood, mm-hmm. do you guys think Carvanista was supposed to be Captain Jack? That's my theory. Oh, that's a fascinating theory. I've not heard that. <laughs> I think before. it's between him and that. Finn. Well, I heard a theory that it was going to be Vinder, and then right that doesn't work because they wouldn't have given that storyline. Yeah, to him. but I think Captain Jack in a spaceship, like protecting Earth, and like just kind of sitting there. We could cut to him on the same set, um, you know, for the whole series, so they can hide the fact that he's twenty years older than last time we saw him. Mm. Uh, I think that works better. For that character, and I, I know Chibnall wanted him to be in this, and I don't know if when they shot this or when they were writing it, if it was COVID that kept him from coming over, or if it was his other stuff that's going on. Mm. But I, I think he was supposed to be in the story in some way, and for me, it makes the most sense that it would have been Carvinista, and then you know they can throw in all that division stuff later. Yeah. I well, I don't sense. know how controversial this is, but if if that is true, then I think it's a hell of an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you won't get any arguments from our podcast. They fucking love that dog. <laughs> yeah, Carvinista is fantastic. I think it would be a very different story if it had been Jack. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. no, I think I'm glad it, it kind of wasn't, because, I don't know, that might have somewhat distracted a bit, perhaps. I don't know. But... I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah. I was excited to see him in series 12 when he popped up, hearing the voice, especially because we knew there was a surprise coming, but then we didn't know it was that, and then they put a second surprise on it. But just when you hear the voice, I was like, wait a second, no. And like that was exciting, but then when you saw him in the New Year's special, it was like, oh yeah, I don't think we need Captain Jack anymore. Yeah, he... (laughs) It felt, it oddly felt like he he sort of sucked some of the energy out of that episode Mm -hmm. rather than adding to it, which is obviously the opposite of what that character has done historically in in Doctor Who. Um, And and I'll be honest, I don't don't want us to get too sidetracked with all of that nonsense, but uh, suffice it for me to say, I would be quite happy never having Barrowman back (laughs) at this point. Oh, I, I don't I, think you have anything to worry about. If they did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are still people. I mean, and look, everyone is entitled to an opinion, but uh, for, for my money, I feel like the way the the inelegance with which he has handled right? the situation. Like, how hard is it is, to say I'm sorry? Is that is that is the thing that I think well. really kills yeah. kills it for me? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 
I, I like I say, I'm, 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 I'm happy with with the 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 big Yorkshire space dog. I, that's <laughs> that's better than Captain Jack, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, getting back into the series, um, what do you guys think of John Bishop? I think he he did what they needed him to do. He just he works really well. And he's like good in that role, but it's not like overshadowing anyone because you you wanted development for Yaz, you wanted more explanation of um, the division and that sort of thing. You didn't want it all to be focused on his new introduction, his well, how he feels better than his. He came in and he fulfilled his role, and it was very good, very enjoyable. But it wasn't like oh, all of our attention is on the new companion. I think it worked in the way that it should have worked in the previous couple of series where it shared it quite equally and I just liked his performance because it was mm-hmm. just fun it wasn't not necessarily like funny all the time like I was imagining he would be the comedy you know same as when they said Bradley Walsh to be fair so I knew he wasn't going to be but not the oh he's, he's the funny character he was funny at times and he was it was just a quite like genuine I think he, he played it in the way it needed to be played mm-hmm. yeah I quite liked him Lily, what'd you think of John Bishop? Uh, not my favourite, I have to say, but he was fun in his way, I think, Dan. Dan is the new yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, I'm going to jump on with you here. I've had a notepad open on my computer for the last two weeks getting ready for this, just... Anytime a thought popped in my head, I would just go type it up so that I would remember it when talking to you guys. I have exactly one note. That's how many thoughts popped in my head. And it is, why is John Bishop on the show? He didn't do anything. The thing is, I, yeah, I can get that. I know I kind of, yeah. I mean, Yaz needed somebody to talk to. So bring in um, Jericho one more, one episode earlier. <laughs> oh, Jericho. I would have been perfectly happy Jericho. with that. Oh. Oh. Yes, exactly. I can see Lily right now and her face lighting up when I say Jericho. That's what you want when when you're adding an arbitrary companion. Oh, yeah. yeah. He should have been. He should have been. The tragedy. (laughs) I think, I'll tell you what, I think think the thing that really bothers me most about Dan is that there is, that there is just, there's, there's no, there's no interesting hook for him as a character. He just is standard bloke. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> a, a, admittedly, a very nice bloke. You know, oh, he's yeah. dramatic as hell. Oh, but... Looks great on screen. Yeah, to be fair, when I, was, when I first watched it, I said, oh, he's like someone you'd meet in Spoons. Because I work at Spoons. Yeah. <laughs> he's a bit... I'm not <laughs> the only person who thought that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's fine, but... Just like if you're gonna bring John John Bishop, if you if you need another companion, um, why not have Dan? But I don't know, have him be a historical companion or something. Have basically the same guy with the same character played by the same actor, but just have him from like eighteen seventy six, and immediately there's more flavor there. You know, there's yeah. no reason he couldn't be a you know a working class scouser. Um, but from a different time period, 
or something like that. You know, it's it just feels like a missed opportunity, mm. really. Yeah. To just have another middle-aged The long bloke. and short of it is that Chibnall's from Liverpool. Is he wanted... Oh, I didn't know that. He, he wanted a Liverpudlian dude in there. And so he just wrote one in mm. and he got John Bishop, who's great. And I'm sure, and he's been awesome in the the lead up to the show on all the chat shows and everything. He's been a great beacon for the show. But uh, yeah, his character didn't need to be on it at all. Yeah, but he's he's fine for, for what he is. And, and I'm hopeful, you know, we've got three three specials left to go. If he is sticking mm-hmm. around maybe there's room for an arc there maybe i have seen and i don't know how much spoilers you want but i have seen photos of the easter special easter and he is in it mm. oh, cool okay yeah well <laughs> i kind of made sense i i i i didn't know for for sure i try to avoid spoilers uh but i i wasn't sure whether he was making it out of flux alive or not and i thought that you know I thought he would just marry, die, and live happily ever after yeah. in Liverpool, the the land he loves. Yeah. Like, I our episode on the finale hasn't come out yet, but that's my big bugbear with him as a character is why did he leave? Like, there's, like, he, the whole story is just about how much he loves Liverpool, and he's there so that they have local knowledge about the tunnels, and that's about it. And then they're die deciding not to be with him, at least for now, doesn't seem like enough of a reason for him to be like, you know what, I could use a change, especially when he's already leading a group at the museum again. I, I see, I see what you're saying, but I, I think I, I might be giving Chibnall too much credit. I don't know, but if you think about the fact that he basically gets turned down by die, totally understandable as well under the circumstances mm-hmm. from her perspective. Um, you do you die, and. Um, you've also got to bear in mind he's he's doing he's waxing lyrical in the museum to to punters, but he's not actually a tour guide. Uh, to me, I kind of read it as he loves Liverpool, but Liverpool's given him nothing in return. You know, that's fair. Sure. Yeah, you know, he, he's basically he's he's stuck around and he's got nothing to show for it. He nearly got married and then that never panned out. He thought he, you know, he was in a position to move on, and then that's not panned out. He's he he loves that city, but what's he got to show for it? Um, so I I totally get Dan's headspace where the doctor's like, yeah, all without his base, even though he's just seen some terrifying things. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, why not? Let's have another roll of the dice. Um, yeah, I I'm hopeful for good things in the future for him but i and and again i like the actor um i just don't know what when writing the this story why you'd be like oh i i need this guy he might as well be in the whole thing <laughs> he could very easily have just been a oh yeah. he's he's turned up in episode one. Oh, we need to go back to liverpool he's turned up in that episode well i like him but yeah i see your point where he could could have been a more minimal role I, I wonder again whether, you know, to what extent was there someone, you know, having a gentle word in Chibnall's ear that, that they they need a bit of stunt casting just to drum up a bit of interest. 
Yeah. You know, that because I, I, I think that was probably a similar motivation with Bradley Walsh. Yeah. In all oh, honesty. Definitely. And and obviously we know that panned out very well. He was fantastic in the in the role, but you know, it did smack a stunt casting. All right, Lily. Bradley Walsh or Jericho? Who if you had to pick one? Graham or Jericho? Oh, Jericho. Sorry, Graham, but Jericho. <laughs> I liked Graham. I liked Graham. Graham was lovely. But Jericho for the win. Yes, please. I'm exactly right with you. I, we, we had this conversation on our podcast. I was just like, yeah, Jericho's just a better Graham. Oh. Like, why wasn't he on the oh, whole show? I, I agree. We, yeah. we did not get enough of this man. <laughs> My favorite was when when they go up the mountain and they talk to that um, the wise man. Um Jericho steps forward and is like, you know, I'll be the one to speak because I'm intelligent and blah, blah, blah. It just made me think like, yeah, series 11 and 12 didn't have anybody who's smart. <laughs> like Graham and Ryan were both written as the dumb comic relief, you know, who would sometimes sit down on the floor and have like a heart to heart with somebody. But yeah, I Jericho. For the win, as you say. Yeah, I mean, big finishing on the field day, aren't they? What I wanted more of him. Oh, yeah. And not just with Jericho, I mean, Flux in general, just, it's just blown so many things wide open in terms of, you know, things that they can dip into. Oh, if he can get those three years with Yaz, Jericho, and Dan. Yeah. Traveling the world and having adventures. That's all you need. I was like, they, they should do it. Yeah, they can knock four <laughs> box sets of that out. Yeah. Piece of piss. Oh, I hate to say it, but I I think if anyone on this show is going to blow up and maybe become a little too big for a big That's finish, fair. it's Mandip Gill. Yeah, I, I, I can see so. that happening. Yeah. I've repeatedly said on our podcast, I think she's the best actor on the show right now, given the least amount to do. Yeah, it's it's a real head scratcher with hindsight, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That you've 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 got someone capable of some of the performances we've seen, especially in this series. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she just went to. I mean, all credit to Amanda Guilford, just you know, sticking with it and 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 uh, having the optimism <laughs> to assume there'd be something better down <laughs> well, the line. You never know. There's still three her. episodes left. Um, she does she seem might, to be having be a good time. Best characterization yeah. you've ever seen in the show in the next three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time for my theory that she's been working for the master the whole time. I've oh. heard that before. Well, the thing is, they're, they're so heavily dropping hints that he's going to turn yeah. up again that you know, I I don't think you're That's wrong. I think if they don't do that, it's a missed opportunity. That could be kind of interesting, I'm not going to lie. I don't know. I think that would just make me sad. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it would have had to happen already because you would need time to redeem her. Mm. Like, she would have had to have been turned by the Master during Spyfall mm. and then, like, have fallen out of love with the how the Doctor's always holding back from her. And, you know, the Master shows her something and shows her what how great she can be and blah, blah, you know. I've written this in my head a hundred times. <laughs> that's the, that's why I like. I just want yeah, something to do. Well. <laughs> some development and some action to do. It's, it's, there were still bits where she was just, oh, "I'm just going to mm-hmm. stand here." Mm-hmm. Especially which was the end of was the end of all the sun parents when just her, that and the next episode was just her either trying to. Now I I don't want to sound like they're copying 
earlier episodes because people have been comparing Yaz wanting to be like the Doctor and Clara wanting to be like the Doctor. And I think it's done quite differently. But it's been her trying to be like the Doctor and then Mm -hmm. her or a, a version of her appearing and disappearing from different places for most of the show. And it's just like, when she gets her moments, it's yeah. really, really well done. It's the scene in um, the fifth episode of the title I've forgotten, on the ship, where you're like, right, he's dead, let's, you two just go and chuck him overboard while I plan everything. And it's like, that's what we want to see. We want to see you actually taking charge <laughs> when the Doctor's not there, and when you see it two or three times. At least she got some of it. And I, I love that scene, because She's also the one that beats that dude up. Like, you would think the whole purpose of bringing Dan on the show is to have, like, this kind of broad-shouldered dude to, you know, swing the fist when it comes down to it. But no, it's Yaz beats him up and Jericho can throw him overboard. Again, why is Dan in the show? (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely think he's there sometimes just for the reaction of, oh, I'm not used to this, so I'm going to do something a bit comedic. need someone to say, what's that? Uh, if you count how many times he says, what's that in this series, it's going to be laughably mm-hmm. large. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need someone to get, bounce all the Liverpool jokes and Scouser <laughs> jokes off. I, I do think it's 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 telling that Yaz has gotten the most development uh, in a series where she's been apart from the Doctor for the majority. Um. Yeah. And to be honest, in some ways, it's one of my biggest criticisms as well of Flux is is that I would have liked a little bit more with the three of them as an actual TARDIS team, you know, that for for presumably logistical reasons in some cases, and the majority of the story, if you actually kind of add it up, they're not actually together mm-hmm. as a no. trio. Mm. Very often. I don't even think she's properly met Dad yet. No, it doesn't <laughs> feel like that, does it? Well, in at the end, that's when she's like, "Oh, welcome aboard. Go choose a bedroom." Like that should be episode two stuff. Mm. Yeah, uh, which is again, it's I guess it's kind of fascinating. Again, it's just God, it's such a weird series, isn't it? <laughs> uh. But it, it was nice when you were saying you're talking about Yaz's development. It kind of clicked something for me. Last season, sorry, I'm going to interchange season and series all the time. It's fine. Uh, but fine. when <laughs> the doctor's been gone in prison for 13 months, whatever it's been, Yaz is pissed. And when the doctor shows up, she like hits her or pushes her or whatever. Mm. And this time, the doctor's been gone for years, three years. And Yaz just kind of gets it now. And she's like, yeah, we had a tough time, but we're back. Like, okay, I get it. And so, like, that change in perspective for a character comes from experience. And I think a little more focus on what this life has done to or for Yaz could have been pretty interesting and maybe given us a little more connection to her. Yeah. I wouldn't hold my breath for Chibnall to (laughs) make good on that. I do bet he adds like four or five more companions (laughs) before the end of his time. (laughs) 
Yeah, one yeah. more every episode. Uh, He's a Davison fan, right? Like, he likes big TARDIS teams. Mm. Look at yeah. dinosaurs on a spaceship. That's true. Yeah, he, no, true. he just he just shoves characters in and then doesn't... He fascinates me as a writer. He really does. Mm. Because he, he can be so imaginative and so interesting. And actually, I don't think he gets enough credit for how funny he can be when he puts his mind to it. Mm-hmm. Um... It's not as, you know, as snappy and as witty as Moffat's humour, but, you know, it's still there. Um, But then he just seems so uninterested in people at times. (laughs) Um, Yes. And, and, and like... His his ethics. It's like it, it feels like he never actually thinks through the ethical considerations of anything anybody does. <laughs> um, mm. I mean, he did kind of end this series on a speech against genocide, and then yeah, m- more yeah. genocide. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I just I, I kind of I find him th- th- so inscrutable compared to the other showrunners who are very much open books i feel like i don't really i can't really quite get my head around who chibnall is and what he's trying to do with doctor who other than make doctor who yeah (laughs) it's uh, speaking of the other showrunners being more open there's a toby hadok podcast that's on big finish they can get for free. Yeah. It's like a four-parter with RGD where they go over every episode of his era. Oh. And there's part... It's I've listened to it twice. It's great. But there's some parts where, you know, you're thinking, like, well, he's such a genius writer. This is going to be so prolific. And then he'll ask him, like, what about the farting aliens? And he'll just say, that's a bit dumb fun. <laughs> like, it's funny. What do you want? It's stupid. <laughs> and sometimes, like, if... Shibda would just say stuff like that sometimes. Like, why did you do this? He was just like, he's like, what's the, and uh, Moffat would always do that where there's something you might look at as weird. And he's just like the way he describes it. He's like, what's more fun than this dumb, stupid thing that like could actually be really scary. And it's like, yeah, okay. He sold me. I get it. Doesn't work for me, <laughs> but do it. Sometimes that is all you need. It's just like, let's just put in something that's fun. It doesn't have to be, entirely overblown or serious it can just be right. an idea i want to do it yeah and i feel like that's 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 at the heart of what flux is really i really feel like and i think in some ways the the circumstances under which it was made tie into that it's like humanity is facing one of its bleakest periods in a in a long long time you know in, in living memory for a lot of people and yeah. Chimbrel's response is, hey, let's put on a show. I think mm. there's something quite admirable about that. And it really does feel like he just wants to entertain. You know, why else have we got Sontarans in corner shops stuffing their faces with Mars Mars? <laughs> it's... That did seem a little bit just like, let's just put in some of this to make them funny. Yeah. After making them quite threatening, back to being funny again. Well, why not? Yeah. Why not do both? I don't, yeah, you know, definitely. I don't, I don't really see the harm in that, and yeah, uh, um, so that's it. I feel like there is like, I feel like with the best of of Doctor Who, you can, you know, there's some subtext there. You can tease something out. I, I don't have a hope in hell of of, of figuring out 
what Flux is trying to say beyond, hey, look at this. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's get into that a little bit. Um, let's. What do you think about the villains? So we've got the Ravagers, we've got the Flux, we've got Division. Uh, any the Grand Serpent? Any order you like. <laughs> I. They, it seems a bit. By the end, it did seem a bit like we've got too many, and they've all been dealt with too quickly. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like the as you just said, the Grand Serpent. I think they've they've either left him where they've left him to bring him back, or it's very quickly. How do we deal with this? We've got to get rid of him somehow. I kind of wanted there to be more there because they built him up to be a personal villain for Vinda and for Kate Stewart. Who yeah. I was very excited to see. Except back. he and then doesn't remember Vinder and doesn't really have a relationship with Kate Stewart. No, uh, don't. I have no idea why he was hunting her down at the end. No, watched it twice. But he just seems he was. He worked for what he was, which was like a threatening, corrupt space yeah. politician. But then was just walked out. Essentially, just forced to walk the plank in a sci-fi way. <laughs> Um, the Ravagers started off really, really threatening. Very camp, but threatening as well. And then, again, just RTD style Deus Ex Machina of just, oh, and they've been killed and they're gone. Sansarans, <laughs> they've been killed and they're gone with the solution that was... To be fair, I like that. I liked using the passenger because it was staring us in the face. It was obvious. And yet you didn't see it until... Or at least I didn't see it come until the end. But... right. Daleks and Cybermen were in there purely for sake of it's who we've got to get them in there somehow. Yeah, you can put them in the trailer. Yeah, and then and then the division I think was really interesting, really interesting, and Texian's been killed off <laughs> after doing all the exposition. Is it, if they'd cut but now out, really doing any exposition? <laughs> well, yeah, just talking around the subject. I think if they cut out, or at the very least, cut out some of the less vital stuff and focused in on. Leaving, leave the Sontarans as you've done the episode, that's done. The angels are done. I, I mean, I really like the angels. So did I. Done, but on my, mm-hmm. I mean, on the on my notes, it does say bleeding fairies, but that's because I was trying to be funny. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> um, those were really well done, and then they left it. They should have just done the same with the Sontarans. It's done, put it to one side, focus on the Ravagers as the big cosmic villains, and Grand Serpent as the more Earth-based villain. That I think that would have worked better than trying to bring everyone Who back in the, the Grand end. Serpent. I think I must have missed that. That was like Vinder's like corrupt boss turned takeover. Is that what he wanted? They didn't really explain who he was. Just me, no. He didn't want anything, so he he showed <laughs> up. Uh, he showed up to kind of take control yeah. of Unit in. Or help yeah. develop it so that he could be a part of the UN Oversight Committee. So that when it was time for the Centauran strike, they had somebody they could say, okay, turn off all the defenses. Oh. Oh. That's it. Didn't need it. I mean, they didn't even explain who he was. <laughs> nope. They kind of said, are we... <laughs> now, I might be mis- misremembering. They said it in a more sci-fi way of, if I remember rightly, he's got... I think he's got two hearts and he's got a snake inside of him and this sort of stuff. And they kind of explained where he came from without saying where he came from. Right. And the most prominent theory that I've been seeing is, because of course it is, that he was the master, which he wasn't. He was his own thing. 
but it's the two hearts and has a snake inside of him. Well, he says like a binary species. He had like a like an upper consciousness and a lower consciousness and the snake was like the lower one but was always like the lower conscious or the lower life form is always more threatening and the doctor kind of goes through it in two or three sentences great concept i think for a villain sure um and definitely and the actor is great yeah and and the visual of the the snake coming out of people's oh that was like that was one of the most horrifying things we've seen on who for a while i feel like that's mm-hmm. you know really gonna uh, screw with some uh, eight-year-old sleeping habits, so <laughs> which is great. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I I really liked on paper both the Grand Serpent and um, the Ravagers, mm-hmm. but I do feel like with only six episodes to play with, they're kind of tripping over each other a little bit. And we don't quite get enough of either to fully cement them. Having said that, I feel like the door is left open for either or both of them to return. And if Chibnall sure. doesn't do it, I really hope at some point, two or three series down the line, RTD just, you know, cracks them open and, and says, OK, let's let's just have Swarm and Azia back for a two-parter or something. Mm. Slap bang in the middle of a series, just being... You know, gloriously over the top, and you know they've got. Get a complaint out of me. They've got, per, you know, now they've got personal beef with the doctor. They've been foiled by her, um, so twice. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I potentially if if they do become recurring villains, and I sincerely hope they do. I think they could be up there with some of the best recurring villains, New Who has ever. Uh, yeah, I think come up with. they might have been my favorite part of this series. Mm. Like, yes, the ending wasn't great, but I like you can't get campy enough for me. I the makeup was incredible. Uh, the actors yeah. both like I didn't give Azure enough credit during the season, but in this final episode, which he's you know talking to the doctor about, well, life is your religion and this is ours, stuff like that. It's not literally what she said. But during that moment, I was like, oh, man, this actor is so good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'd take more of them anytime. What do you think, Lily? Yeah. Well, I think what you've all said, I would agree with. And hopefully one day, as William Hartnell would say, they'll come back. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'd I'd like to see both both of them, like both sets of villains return. I think it just, it'd work really well just to have a different, take on you know if that's what i think i liked is that they were a breath of fresh air sort of oh it's not the master again it's not the Daleks again. Yeah. as much as i like them and as much as like the current master is is really really good it's like that's bringing something different that is actually completely different yeah i was so relieved that the master wasn't so in this. was i yeah mm-hmm. Because there was that theory, wasn't it? When uh, when the, was was it the Comic Con panel where they all did one word and and Chibnall's was swarm, and people were going, oh, oh yeah, like so the acronym, uh, the acronym Sontar and Sweeping Angels, uh, Ravagers and, and and Master, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that is, that oh, is a theory. Fans. Yeah, 
It, I mean, Remember to the be duck honest, pond? At the time, at the, <laughs> at the time knowing, because at that point, you know, we, we, I think a lot of people within fan circles had had it spoiled for them that Sontarans and Weeping Angels were definitely going to be a part of it. So it wasn't, mm-hmm. yeah. it wasn't too big of a stretch. Um, but yeah, no, I was very relieved that uh, Master wasn't in this because uh, that he he would definitely have taken too much of the attention. I think yeah. they had. Yeah, they just about got away with it with the with the Weeping Angels because you know they were they shot outside with that one angel that got Claire in the first episode. Yeah, and people who saw that because it was just a crew and an angel in the middle of a street, they were like, "Oh, it's that video game that's coming out." that um, edge of reality yeah. or whatever it's called. <laughs> so they, they could have kept it a secret, but then they're just like, hey guys, Angel's coming back. <laughs> please, please watch our show. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's the thing I was, I've was i got in my notes. Was uh, Does anyone else think that Chibnall does returning monsters better than RTD or Moffat? I think he, he does something different and that, that always, well, most of the time is is a good thing. It kind of improves, changes a little bit, but still makes them. I, I genuinely think that's the best use of the Weeping Angels. I want to say since Blink, I think Angels Take Manhattan is good, but it's it's. I still think I think it's the best use since they mm. first appeared because they they do something really different and it's very very yeah. creepy it's not jump yeah. scary it's just they're there and they're hunting but you you like oh you're gonna turn around and that no they're there and it feels tense yeah no, sorry that's right. I, I, was just I would again. absolutely agree with that i would put the two-parter in series five just above this i i think they do a lot of the same things maybe just the fact that, that one was first or maybe just the yeah. fact that it's moffat's dialogue like Angel Bob using that soldier's voice is terrifying, okay, and the yeah. things that he says are brilliant. And Chimnall kind of tried doing the same thing with the angels using Jericho's voice, later using the Doctor's voice. But I think just the the writing style and maybe just Moffat understanding the angels a little more because he made them. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I I, I don't know whether. I always forget what I've said on, on podcasts or not before, but I mean, that's my favourite Angel story. I like it more than Blink. Yeah. Um, because it, it's got more of the Doctor in it. Um, <laughs> and my fa- I was positive Jericho yeah. was the madman who wrote the Angel book that they read in that story. <laughs> I re- that makes sense. Yeah. So that's a good theory. It is a good theory. Because <laughs> he says, when, like, the Doctor says the image of an angel is an angel. He stops makes her repeat it and says, I better write that down. Yeah. So it's like, but then he dies for no reason. I don't know. Big finish will sort it out. They better. <laughs> no, he's yeah, got, yeah. They've, they've got three years where we could have just written a book. That's fair. Yep. All right. In that case, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he still did then. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> my, can, my canon. Yeah. No, I'm back to the point about him, his yes. use of returning villains. Um, the Sontarans, I really like, Sontaran's stratagem brought them back, made them a bit threatening, also made them quite easy to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And then Strax, which is just com- <laughs> as much as I like the character, it is just comic yeah. relief. Moffat had no interest in writing the Sontarans. Yeah, yeah that's... they actually seem like a military force. They actually seem like a threat. They are funny, 
You've got mm. the line about them wanting to ride a horse. Mm-hmm. Just that's the only reason. And then oh, yeah. stuff in his face with chocolate. But and it's funny, but it's not look at these comedy characters. They are actually threatening. They're yeah. actually clever military minded. Exactly. Villains. And the, and their plan in this is proper devious. It's it's a good strategy. Yeah. 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 I'd Moffat also refute like hated writing Daleks and refused to do it until uh, he had to in Asylum of yeah. the Daleks. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say I, I, I really liked Chibnall's two Dalek episodes and we've got another one coming in a few weeks. I'm so excited. It looks, it looks really good. Uh, it, it's such a simple, <laughs> from what we know of it, such a simple and effective concept. I think I, I, I'll, I'll be very cross with Chibnall if he doesn't make something good out of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Has that actually happened in who have we had a time loop story? Like not in like Big Finish or we haven't really had a proper time loop story. In just in shorts. Yeah. 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 Not nothing in, in New Who that I can think of. But yeah, that should be great. Yeah. I mean the whole division arc thing, like Yes. I I have no problem with it on paper. But I don't find it terribly compelling, to be perfectly yes, honest. It's not been handled in the best mm. way. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I care about division or no, the doctor's I didn't role in either, it. Particularly. Yeah, I mean, what one thing it has given us though is a fugitive doctor who is yes fantastic. Yes. And I, looking back, I am very annoyed that we get like thirty seconds of her yes. <laughs> in total. She must series. show up in one of the specials. She oh, has she has to, to. Yeah. yeah. But, they, you know, that's that's the whole reason. If that's the whole reason for Division, good enough for me. But <laughs> there's um, a great video on BBC's YouTube channel where they're interviewing the cast and crew about that episode. Uh-huh. And everyone's like, when Joe Martin walks on set everyone kind of stands up straighter and kind of like gets quieter and kind of takes their job more seriously. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking like, after a series of goofballs, can we just have a doctor like that for a couple years? Oh, just wouldn't that be nice? One, like, can we just have the third doctor again? Yeah. <laughs> it's really, yes. to, oh, me, really to me, Joe Martin is the third doctor, but like, badass <laughs> my, 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 my hope is I don't know how realistic a hope this is but if um, you know there's rumours are swirling about RTD and Bad Wolf Productions looking in terms of wanting to maybe get some spin-offs on the go again and you yeah. know I'd be up for it potentially if they're interested I mean I'll be honest I've in terms of televised spin-offs none of them have really done it for me so far but then i can't say i've watched them all religiously so you know um but a fugitive doctor miniseries or something would be oh what a treat that would be right just like six episodes or something of just pure concentrated joe martin doctor yes thing is it seems like they could go really dark with her like not not horrifically dark but they could go a lot more like, yeah, grim and and so, sort of realist, sort of like the space, the, sort of the sort of space that was promised by the War Doctor, and then you know for obvious reasons we didn't really quite yeah get. I mean, certainly not on screen. Um, 
I do quite like the uh, the big Finnish War Doctor stuff they've done no, so far. Me but, too. Um, Definitely. But also different again because you know the, this is a completely different chapter in the Doctor's history, and you know she's kind of working for the man. That's yeah. you know that's fascinating, <laughs> isn't it? Is she, is she a series two B doctor? Is she uh, in between? It would make and sense. I mean, would it? I thought I they'd been, it to be or not. I thought they they were pretty explicit at this point that this is pre Hartnell, weren't they? They've been pretty explicit, yeah. yeah. That at least, you know, the the timeless child, you know, whatever whoever that actor was yeah. in that in that episode at least sat down in the division and was part of the division. Yeah. But I guess that those scenes we were shown could have been in different order. The one thing I just keep getting hung up on is why would her TARDIS be a police box? Hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, that, it, it, it would fit. It would fit. There's no yeah, reason it would. That's it's just a bit. I think that's an, that's an easy headcanon for me. Um, because... It depends to what extent you're how you're comfortable with the idea of the TARDIS being uh, a sentient and be essentially the main character of the show. Um, but fine, I'm fine. Yeah, with fine it. Um, my my head is the TARDIS wanted to be recognised by the Thirteenth Doctor, and it knew that the only way that you know it had to sort of take the form that that Doctor knows of it. Um. Now, like I say, there's. I mean, that is just pure fan wang head cannon. There's no. <laughs> there's no reason to 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 assume that 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 was anywhere near Chimnall's thoughts. But it it works for me as an explanation, and it you know it allows me to move past that particular nitpick. Yeah, it, and it who knows? Sense. You know, she's a time lord. Maybe they've been there since the fifties. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it became a police box because it was trying to blend in. Yeah. yeah. It's it's entirely possible. Um but yeah, no, I, I mean we all we all love Joe Martin's uh take as a fugitive doctor. And it, it, it honestly, I almost would have preferred to have just had Jody in the um inverse coat rather than getting these tiny little flashes of Joe Martin and then having them you know, having her cruelly snatched away again. <laughs> Just have the whole thing be Joe Martin. Exactly. I Instead honestly, of the scenes with Joe I Martin thought, in the mirror, do it the other way around. That's I, what we I, needed to do. I thought after mm. they'd done the first couple of glitches, they're like, okay, great, and now we're going to go into Joe Martin and we're going to get to see her just acting the socks off for a scene and I'm here for it. And then, no, it's <laughs> it's Jodie Whittaker, yeah. admittedly, doing a good performance, a very different performance to her, her normal one and so we get the sense of the character but mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure just... jody would have loved a week off <laughs> yeah i'm sure <laughs> she i mean she had to do this series and three specials all back to back yeah she god that must have been so exhausting i'd like the, the last episode of this she's she's literally she's playing three versions of herself you yeah, know, she's, she's in every scene. She's just, yeah, never off screen. And to be fair, I, I like that as a conceit. I, I really feel like they're finally giving yes. her stuff to get her teeth into. Um, yeah. Right when she's about to leave. Yeah. And I, I think that last episode for me was her best 
acting performance of her run. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. Yeah, I feel like the first time we really glimpse it is uh, Villa Diodati. Um, okay, and it's frustrating because that's like late in series twelve, which I feel like is too late to really be being like, oh, there's the Doctor, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I was listening to um the flight through entirety podcast yeah. today they were talking about the finale or they they have a separate podcast called Jody into terror where they were talking about it mm-hmm. and uh they were saying they really like she's really good when she's having these one-on-one confrontations with the bad guys mm. and I agree and what you're saying like for me the first time I saw her acting and was like ooh that I really like is in Rosa when she's confronting space racists. Oh, yeah. That is a good scene. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, standing on some cargo bins or whatever. Yeah. And that in that scene, I was like, ooh, I see what she can do. And she just yeah. didn't really get to do it all that yeah, much. Yeah, and you know what? When you said that, another one popped into my head, which is um, the scene in the TARDIS in uh, Resolution. Yes. With the, yes. With the hologram. Yeah. Again, she kind yeah. of turns on it. She yeah. is very good at those scenes, isn't she? Yeah. When she has a darker mm-hmm. moment, she really, mm. really shines, I think. And, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's... We do kind of get that sense with her character that, like, all of the happy, bubbly stuff, that really is just, you know, a, a, a veneer, if you like. Yeah. It's, it's just there for show to kind of make other people comfortable around her and also for her to have some sort of plausible deniability about you know that sort of darkness that's under the surface um but yeah i i i she's so good when she actually gets t- chances to sort of take charge like that uh-huh we are running the risk of adding fuel to the people that say she's just doing a david Tennant impression oh uh, i suppose so. <laughs> I, I think a lot of the stuff you said is kind of a lot of the stuff he was best at too yeah I mean, well, I don't know. This scope, they still very feel very, like very different performances to me. Oh yeah, me too. I'm just yeah. It's just something that goes around, and yeah, you, you hate to <laughs> increase any of the ability to make those comparisons. I suppose so. Yeah. Well, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, do you have any hopes or desires for the the specials? One of which we're getting very soon, going into her end and whatever the future is after that. I kind of want it to be... I want them to leave a little bit, like they always leave something, but I want the majority of it to be wrapped up in her stories so you don't have the division and all of that hanging... Like, Come mm. back and revisit it every so often, but mm. don't have that be the, the driving factor for the next um, Doctor and the next era try and get it all wrapped up succinctly and nicely but you but still tell good stories don't just go well here's what we're doing we're doing a story about the division we're doing do, do a doctor who story which happens to cover the same ground like from what it looks like the the new year special is just going to be a fun yeah kind of looks like a christmas episode yeah. airing on new year's day that's kind of what i want it's just one as as Flux was just a fun, big show that still manages to tell a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lily, same question. I mean, yeah, I'd sort of agree that hopefully things will 
get wrapped up. I mean, I'd quite like to see Graham again. Just for one appearance. Oh, they're, they're going to come back. If they've been I left alone. I lost positive, so. you will. I hope so. <laughs> and Ryan, of course. No offence, Ryan. Sorry. forgot about Ryan. Um, <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> oh, bless it. Well, don't, don't say that. You're going to get Mrs. Jade is, like complaining after she listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> David, what are you looking forward to? I can be really facetious right now. Just like, I just want them to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just three really solid specials. I mean, I I mean, I'm the, the only thing that, that makes me worried is just and and this is silly because it's like completely different era, completely different, you know, different people behind the scenes and stuff. But I just remember the the tenant specials, which my abiding memory of <laughs> is just overblown, self indulgent. Not genuinely, some of my least favorite new who happens in those specials, and I really don't want Whitaker's era to end on that sour note. Especially not when I feel like I'm. It's on such a high at the moment, certainly for me with with Flux. I really feel like it's been this, you know, ramping up, and I just kind of want to see that trend continue. Um, I I agree as well with what Ollie was saying. I I, I want. Uh, I, I really don't want too many dangling threads from this, and that's not because I don't like the Timeless Child stuff or the Division stuff, but I feel like it was Chibnall's idea, Chibnall's addition to the to the canon, um, let him do what he wants to do with it, and then if writers down the line want to pick it up, then that's fine, but it's there's there's no kind of... It's not left unresolved, if you like. Mm-hmm. I don't... I, I don't want that fob watch to just stay in the bowels of the TARDIS indefinitely. <laughs> they, um, they have to do something with it. In the they have to do something with that, surely. Um, so I guess in terms of structure, if New Year's Eve and, and Easter, if those could just be, you know, big fun adventures and then one big pile of self-indulgent wank to tie it all <laughs> together for, for the centenary special <laughs> i think that's probably the best we can hope for um and i'd be quite happy with that to be honest yeah. is is the villain of the centenary special going to be tim shaw you've got on one hand you've got tim shaw or your other hand you've got <laughs> sasha uh, dewan i think uh, i know which right. one we're going for <laughs> <laughs> you've got You've got Azure and Swarm and Sasha Dewan. Yeah. But Tim Shaw is a Chibnall creation. It, it wouldn't surprise me if when... Because they are going to come back. When Graham and Ryan come back, they mention him. They say, oh, like, we did this. Like, That's fine. Give a nod to it. Don't bring them back. No. <laughs> we no. don't do that. Absolutely no, not. we do not. <laughs> He could he could be uh, waxing their car like Biff in Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, I think like I I know the final scenes, Jody's goodbye is going to be really good. I don't really care about the rest. I think Swarm is about or Swarm. I think Flux is about as good as I wanted out of this era, and I'm happy to move on and just have some fun dumb specials. Yeah. Yes, the things you guys said have to get wrapped up, um, and they'll inevitably be disappointing, as is everything that you get to spend a year thinking about. Uh, 
it's because we'll all write better stories in our head than what ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm already like in RTD mode. Like I'm more curious about the 60th than the centenary. I'm positive they're going to have a stunt casted doctor for just one story, and then uh, have them regenerate into who the real who the next doctor is really going to be. That'd be interesting. Yeah, that's I hadn't really considered that. That's yeah. Well, he's he's wanted Hugh Grant to be the Doctor for such I mean, a long time. He technically time. already has. It depends if we're saying that that's, right. that's not canon. But even but t- <laughs> he he did ask Hugh Grant when he brought the show back. Hugh Grant said no, and then has since said, "Oh, if I knew, I could have done it for just one season. Yeah. I would have." And then, <laughs> and then uh, you know they've worked together since, and Hugh Grant won a bunch of awards for it. And so they're buddies now, or at least colleagues. Yeah, it's a possibility. Uh, that's that's kind of my my thought is we might see a little Hugh Grant Doctor in the 60th anniversary. I don't really care. I just want every living companion to be on in the episode for some reason. <laughs> I, I genuinely I, for think no reason. I've heard, I don't need. I've heard yeah. you say about your theory and like or your idea for that, and I really think it's a really good idea. Well, David on his podcast is doing the five doctors and I feel the same way. Like, yeah, look, there's Susan, there's Liz. Like, who cares why? <laughs> I just yeah. want to see them. Just make them a reason. Certainly didn't. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. Let's right. be honest, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I'm, I'm so curious to see what happens with the RTD2 uh, era, but also, yeah. I mean, trepidatious as well. I, I, I I'm, I'm, well, what did you think of the news? I was so mixed on it because, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I love personally about Doctor Who, one of the things that attracts me to it is the fact that nobody owns it, that mm-hmm. everyone can take their own creativity to Doctor Who, play around in this sandpit and make something new and exciting and different out of it. Um, And so I I really just wanted a new showrunner. You know, I'm not someone who's just like relieved that, oh, he's going to make it good how it is. I mean, apart from anything else, I I, I make no apology for the fact that Tennant is my least favourite New Who Doctor. I I do do not love the RTD era. Um, And... It remains to be seen where Chibnall ranks over. There is there is possibility that I actually, on balance, will prefer, especially now Flux is done, um, that I prefer the Chibnall era to the RTD era. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I yeah I I'm, but having said that, even when RTD RTD's writing is bad, which I I think it is sometimes, it is never boring. No. It is absolutely never boring. And so whatever he does, I'm sure it will give us lots to talk about. And surely mm. that's what we want as Doctor Who yeah. podcasters. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I was kind of, I'm still like of two minds. Like, A, yes, exactly what you're saying. I want, like, let someone else have a go. Mm. Like, that's what Doctor Who's all about is fresh perspectives. The show changing mm. every so often. Let's see what someone else could do. Then on the other hand... I like the RTD era, and he's had 10... The whole team has had 10 years to change, grow, and not just 10 years, 10 very successful years where they've all gone on to do some really successful things. Yeah. Yeah, And 
I'm interested in seeing what that does to a writer and a production team just out of pure curiosity because it's not something we will ever get again in any show no. where someone runs the show and then comes back 10 years later and I, does I it again. I think the RTD of like years and years and it's a sin is a different RTD mm -hmm. than early Who RTD. I think we're going to see... It's going to be similar, but... <laughs> I don't know. Turn left is a lot like years and years. That's true. That's true. It, it's certainly... It's not going to be a carbon copy, is it? No. And I think the politics no. of the show are going to be even more obvious than with Chibnall. The people are going, oh, he'll stop being so... He'll stop being so liberal. No, it's, it's Russell T. Davis. It'll be brutally, <laughs> right. like... Left wing, but in uh, yeah, it might actually be coherent as well. <laughs> in its politics yes. would be nice. <laughs> and no, we I, might I not have things like two environmental stories back to back in a season. <laughs> Spread them out, children. Come on. No, I, I think he's gonna. I think it it won't be this. It'll be different to what we're expecting, while still being obviously an RTD show. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I think I, I was very excited when it was announced. To the point where I was at work and essentially screamed in my partner's face, who then needed me to sit down <laughs> and explain to them who he was and why it was so important. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I, yeah, I'm excited, but yeah, I, I just hope it's not, let's just do what we used to be doing. Let's do something different with the same writer. Yes. I'd be very surprised if he did more than one series. And then after that was kind of a Kevin Feige-esque overlord overseeing not just Doctor Who but all the spin-offs spin yeah. Yeah. yeah you know you talk about not really liking the spin-offs and I'm right there with you David but Sarah Jane Adventures was wildly successful and very popular uh up until Liz Sladen's death and so he I I don't think it's a bad thing to have shows that aren't for us that do do reach a certain audience and kind of usher them into the world of Doctor Who. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and and I and I I'm excited by the potential of it. I mean, mm -hmm. as well. I mean, we've talked about Big Finish. We we all, you know, pro Big Finish here. Um, they've they've obviously done a good job of showing the breadth of what you can do with that expanded universe. Now, admittedly, they do it in a way that is very much geared towards niche market. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you would have to take a different route to that to do something successful on, on, on TV and streaming services and whatever else they might decide to do. But uh, I certainly think, I think what you're predicting there, Jake, is, is pretty much bang on. I, I, I think he will kind of move into more of a Kevin Feige role um, at mm. some point. And it'll be fascinating to see how that goes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm 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 very excited at the at the prospect of that. So, uh, yeah. Lily, are you excited about RTD? I know you you haven't watched as much of that era, or at least the last time we talked. Um, I mean, I'm in agreement with I can't remember who said it now. Sorry, I'm very tired. <laughs> um, about having mixed it's feelings. Just a bunch of white dudes who cares. <laughs> <laughs> no, about having mixed feelings because, as you say, we wanted. I feel like I'm the same in a sense that someone new would have been quite refreshing, I think. But, mm. you know, I do like bits of what Russell T. Davis has done, so it'll be interesting to see where he takes it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think mm. the most important thing is that we know that 
the show that we love so much is still going to exist three years from now. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. It's a lovely thought. Mm. Well, guys, what do you say we call that a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am so grateful to all three of you for coming on. Um, I like to thank my guests today, David from Neither Time Nor the Space, Ollie and Lily from the Companion Peace podcast, which I hear is going to have an episode very, very soon. Eventually, I'm purposely putting that out there to when, rush you, to force yeah, when, you to hurry up. I'm looking I, forward when, to it. Yeah, when I get a bloody day off to edit the thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> soon, soon. So on behalf of myself, Jake, Ollie, Lily, David, thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for whatever the hell we talk about next time. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I'll put music in here. Who knows? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs>